How are we doing, Josh? We good now? I think so. It says green. Can you be higher? I don't want to say anything because I'm going to say it again. Awesome. All right. Daniel chapter 4, everybody. Uh, I'm actually really excited about this section of Scripture because uh, in the book of Daniel, I think this is probably my favorite part. And uh, I know John started the chapter, and last week uh, we looked at uh, a bunch of stuff about how you know God did a mighty work in Nebuchadnezzar and uh, really humbled him, right? And now we're going to talk about what Nebuchadnezzar's response was to God. Um, and how we too, who are believers, hopefully have a similar response in our own hearts. So let's commit this time to prayer, and we'll get started. The Lord of God, we give you thanks that you're an almighty God, and that you reign supreme above all things. And we pray this morning, Lord, that when we look at the life of Nebuchadnezzar and the account that he went through, and his response towards you, I pray that our hearts would have the same response of humility before you. When we consider who we are and our insignificance to an almighty, all-powerful God, you are awesome. And Lord, we give you thanks for that. And we pray that as we look into your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would do a mighty work in our own hearts and cause us to love you more this day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Theme verse for today. Psalm 66, verse 16. Come and hear all who fear God. Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Nebuchadnezzar today in our section of the scripture is going to proclaim to the nations what God has done for him. And I want you to think in the back of your minds this whole time. What has God done for me? What has God done for me? What has God done for me? And I'll give you just a, a little thing that God did for me last night. And it might not be huge to you, but for me, it was like, wow, that was, thank you, Lord. You see, I, maybe you know that about a year ago now, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, right? So if I eat gluten, I get like massively sick. I curl up in a fetal position on the floor and I just cry because the pain is like 12 hours long. I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, last night for dinner... Usually my wife's been, and I'm not blaming my wife, right? But usually, lately, she's just been making one pot of gluten-free pasta for everybody. We're all eating the same thing. Well, last night, obviously, we didn't have enough gluten-free pasta for everybody. So she made some for me and regular pasta for the family. I finished my plate and was, was still really hungry. So I finished my son's plate, too. Didn't realize that his was regular pasta. And instantly, my wife's like, she literally screamed across the room. I was like, what? Oh, shoot. I'm going to get so sick tonight, and I'm not going to be able to preach tomorrow. And I went to the med- I went to the pharmacy and bought everything that I could possibly think that might fix it, because there is no fix. There, there's nothing I can take, but I just, just hoping. And uh, prayed a lot. I know John prayed for me. I know Ed prayed for me. I didn't get sick. That's the first time I've eaten gluten in a year and not gotten, like, crazy sick. So I was like, thank you, Lord. Just like a little, just the, the little things that the Lord has done for me, you know? Just evidence in my life that he is real. Do you have an account in your life where God has proven himself real to you? I know that might be like a little thing to you, but to me, that was just like, 
epic, okay? That was real. And Nebuchadnezzar here has one of those moments. So let's start by reading, all right? What has the Lord done for you? This is like Nebuchadnezzar's autobiography, the world would say. What I would say is his testimony. I am thoroughly convinced after reading this and studying it, like many other theologians, not saying I'm a theologian, but many other you know, commentaries are read. I'm going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I, I'm pretty convinced of it. And by reading it, there's no way that I can say he's not. King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 1, to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, His mighty wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. And he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, right, was at my palace. And he goes on to recite the entire account that we looked at last week with John. How he, you know, was, saw a dream. And in the dream, all right, it's a picture of him being proud of who he was and what God has done for him. And God cuts down the tree, which obviously was him. And he went to live as a beast in the fields and in the, in the wilderness for seven years. He lost his sanity, became an animal. But then after seven years, God restored him. And this is Nebuchadnezzar now sharing his story, his testimony to all peoples. So today, we're going to look at uh, four things. One, his public proclamation. Two, his personal proclamation. Three, his powerful proclamation. And the fourth one, his proclamation pledge. Now, you know, you probably tell that, well, that's the first time you've ever used alliteration, Brian, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It is my first time I've ever used alliteration, and I had some help. So I have to give kudos to John downstairs. Because he already had this chapter already mapped out. And uh, when we split up the section, she's like, I already got all the piece for this entire chapter. I'm like, all right. What's up, Josh? Is it not working? I don't know. Can I get it closer? No, I'm sorry, Josh. Okay. So I, 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 I used it because I just thought it was too good. Because I had all the same no sound, but I was like declaration and just to play. Like I used all these different words. I was like, oh, John, this is really good. I'll just take it because I can't do that. So I got to give him some credit for that. Now, obviously, we just said, what does it start off with? His public proclamation here to. All peoples, nations, and men from every language who live in the world. See, he does not want just his local people in, in his own kingdom or just his own magistrates. He wants everybody worldwide, even those who may not be under his power, to know what God has done for him. See, this is not just a small deal, right? When he says this, I bet you this was written down. This was probably recorded in the Babylonian records, right, as a state document. I mean, in my mind, if this were modern day, this would kind of be like a presidential address or a state of the union that was broadcast to the whole world. This became official. Where else in history have you ever seen a world leader publicly profess the name of Jesus Christ. 
or in this case, Jesus wasn't around yet, right? But publicly profess Yahweh, the King of the Jews, the God of the Jews as Lord. When have you ever heard that happen? Is there anywhere else in Scripture where a foreign king says something like this about God? Sure, we have accounts of like David and other kings and leaders of Israel say stuff about God. But a Gentile? Do you ever see that? I can't think of one. This is unique here, guys. This is extremely rare. If maybe the only time in history where this has happened, a world leader has publicly professed belief in the king of the Jews. This, this is massive. He boldly proclaims his glorious encounter with the Most High God. Now, I don't know, I don't know all your stories, but I do know that any convert that I've ever witnessed to someone and they got saved, or I know someone who was just recently saved, can you not just see it on their face that something special has happened and that they're happy and joyous about it and they want to tell others? I mean, I, I know from my own personal children, right? My wife shared with them the gospel and I'm at work and I come home and they're like, Daddy, Daddy, guess what happened today in their own like, you know, beautiful way. Like, they're super excited about it. If you were saved later in life, did you have a moment like you were just like, Whoa, I got to tell others what just happened in my life. I, I've seen that hundreds of times. New converts, when they come to know the Most High God in a personal way, it is life-changing. Their view of the world has changed, and they're now in awe of this great God, and they got to share it. Do they stay like that forever? Some do, but I know, at least in my own life, that excitement fades. Why does it fade? Why are we every single day, man, guess what happened to me? Like, why are we like that new convert again? What's changed? I think sometimes that our appreciation of the magnitude of what has happened in our life just grows stale. Not that we don't still appreciate it, but maybe we stop remembering that you were on your way to hell. That you were going to die in your sins. And that God saved you and you did nothing for it. Because when you seriously, like, not just say that, but you seriously think and dwell upon that, like, it, it just it should cause your heart to go, like, flutter again. Like, wow, that, that is huge. Thank you, God. And it should hopefully cause you to want to tell someone else because you don't want to see someone else go to hell because that's where you were headed. See, this was no small feat for a world leader to renounce his pagan gods and declare his new faith in a Jewish God. I mean, could you imagine what the other leaders in the kingdom were thinking? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, didn't we just march into Israel a few years ago and like, destroy that place like we destroyed their temple we destroyed their like our gods must be stronger than their god because we did we destroyed their gods so we must be the right we must know better we must have the right gods because we conquered these people now he's going against it 
I think pride prevents us from being bold in our faith. Pride prevents us from doing a lot of things. And at this point in Nebuchadnezzar's life, there is nothing prideful left in him. He has been humbled so far down that there's nothing to stop him anymore. There's nothing to say. I don't care what you think. I don't care about my life anymore. I don't care about what you think of me anymore because everything is his now. His entire perspective of life has changed. And we're going to look at that again some more. It, you, you know it's famous, right? When you walk into, again, this is me watching videos, right? Movies of olden days of monarchies and stuff like that. But what is like one of those common things when someone walks into the presence of a king, what do they say to the king? Oh, great king, may you live forever and reign on your throne, right? That's just, you know, in movies you see someone go before monarchy. It's something you hear all the time, right? Again, I, I never lived under monarchy. So I never went to a king in person. So I really don't know. But from watching Hollywood videos, that's what it was like afraid to say all the time. And I'm sure that's what people said to him all the time. And he expected to reign forever. And he expected his kingdom to go forever. But what happens? Verse 3. How great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. See, Nebuchadnezzar has taken his eyes off of his kingdom and says, it's okay if this one perishes, if this one fails. I don't need to sit on this throne forever. Why? Because there's a king who sits on a real throne in heaven, reigning over everything, and he's the one who should have the eternal throne. He's the one who should have dominion over all things, not me. The most powerful person in the world giving up his authority to the heavenly God. I must decrease so that he must increase. Right? John the Baptist said that. You can see that here. He didn't say that, but in his heart, there's no way other to interpret that. This is what, exactly what's going on. He's saying it's not about me anymore. It's all about him. His personal proclamation. If you go through here, just, just take your finger and skim through here. How many times do you see the word I? I, Nebuchadnezzar. It, it's very, 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 very often. This story is about him. All right? The most high God has performed for me. Let me tell you what God has done for me. This story that he is sharing, it's personal. There's a famous song by, by Hill Songs that say this. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. But it's all about what the Lord has done for me. It's about what the Lord has done for me. See, it's awesome and encouraging to know the testimony and stories of other believers. I, I love hearing how other people came to know the Lord and how God did a miraculous work in their life. But you know what the most powerful story is? It's what he's done for me. That's the most meaningful story in my life. I'm glad he did it for you. But he did it for me. 
He died for me. He loved me. Take your phones off for a second or a piece of paper and a pencil. Come on. Get down your notes. Get out your notepad. I got a challenge for you. Anything you can jot notes down on. Because if it's in your head, you're going to forget it. I'm going to give you guys 45 seconds. I want you to write down everything the Lord has done for you. I know 45 seconds is not much, but I don't spend all day. What has the Lord done for you? You know what the Lord has done for me? He chose me in Him before the creation of the world. He loved me and predestined me to be adopted as His Son. He has given me His glorious grace freely in Him. In Him I have been given redemption through His blood. I have been forgiven of my sins. I have been lavished the graces of God. I have been chosen in Him. If you don't know what God has done for you, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I would love to just, I'm not going to, but I would love for us to just share what God has done for you. Take that list. Keep it going. Maybe share it with someone on your way home in the car today. Has God done anything new in your life? I know the moment you got saved, all these things came instantly true of you. Maybe for some of you, that was 50 years ago. Praise the Lord. Has He done anything this week for you? Add that to your list. If you cannot think of something the Lord has done for you recently, Maybe it's time you have some conversations with the Lord one-on-one. Because He's always doing something for me. And you know what? We should be sharing those with the world. We should be sharing those with others around us. Because it is the change in my life that should cause others to look at me and say, hey, I want that too. You know what? Brian's God is real because look at what he was and look at what he is now. Or look at how he doesn't behave in these different situations like the rest of us do. 
Do not let pride stop you from sharing what God has done. It didn't stop Nebuchadnezzar here. We know the story where Jesus heals someone. And he says, go home and tell your friends. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. Share your story. Daniel chapter 4. We've now looked at how he had a public proclamation. He had a personal proclamation. And I want to spend the most of our time here looking at his powerful proclamation. So Daniel 4, again, the whole body, the middle of the text, is all about him talking about his story, right? How he went out into the field like a beast. How he lived it for seven years. And now... Verse 34. At the end of that time, the end of his seven years, when his seven years had been fulfilled of living like a beast, I, again, personal story, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. Where does a beast look? They're on four legs. Their face is in the ground. We people with two legs are unique. We walk upright. Where can we look? We can look up. Where does Nebuchadnezzar find his help? I look up to the heavens for help. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors, my nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven. Because everything He does is right. His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. I can't help but read that and say He's saved. How do I know? Well, what does it mean to get saved? Like, how does someone get saved? I, I love this morning that James shared that verse about the simplicity of the gospel. Right? 
How does someone get saved? With faith like a child, right? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's all it is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we know very clearly that the faith of a child can receive salvation. But to those of you and I who have studied the scriptures and are more mature in our faith, I'm not saying I'm mature in the faith, but more mature in faith, we also know there's a, there's a depth to that, right? There's a lot in there. The atonement and propitiation and, and, and the work that God did behind the scenes and what He is doing in us is, is deep, right? There's a lot of meat there. But just simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. What does that really mean? But what does believe mean? Well, obviously there's a, there's a mental, an intellectual decision made, right? That I'm going to trust and what's not fully understood or fully seen. I can't see God. I don't fully understand God. I don't even fully comprehend how this miraculous thing of believing in someone who died for me saves me. Like, that's just, it's almost like too good to be true, right? Because I don't have to do anything. But I'm simply just going to trust it anyways. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to take God at his word. He, he said this will work. He said that my sins will be forgiven. I don't understand how it all works out, but I'm just going to believe it anyways. Right? Well, what do you have to believe? Okay, I need to make an intellectual decision. I'm going to believe and trust in this God. I don't fully know all the answers. I don't know how it all connects together yet. Maybe one day when we're with him face to face, we'll get the whole thing. But what do I have to believe? I have to believe in Jesus Christ, right? What, what does that mean? i got to believe that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. I need to believe in His title there, right? Christ. The Promised One, the Messiah. I have to believe that He was the one that God predicted eons ago would come and be the Messiah. I have to believe that He died and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. I have to believe that doing that, He will forgive my sins and give me eternal life. I have to agree with God that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior because I can't do it on my own. Right? That, that's it. Now, I know from my experience in, in the world that there are many people out there who say that. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus died on the cross for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the son of God. But you know what? When I look at their life, I, I have a really hard time. Again, I can't judge their hearts, but I can judge their actions, right? I have a really hard time believing that they are truly saved. Why? Because they're missing a big part of the, 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 the um, verse. And they're missing to me what is probably one of the biggest parts of the verse. Believe on the Lord. They're missing the Lord part. What does that mean? Well, what is Lord? It's His position compared to you. It's who you see Him as. Lord, He is my Master. He is my leader. He is the Adonai. 
He is the one who is controlling my life. I am now crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I believe all those things, and now Jesus Christ is my leader. My life does not matter anymore. And that's the part that most of the world's missing. Most of the people in the world who say that they're Christians are missing this part. They know all the right answers, but Jesus Christ is not their Lord. He's not their master. They're not going to him for instructions. How do I run my day today, Lord? What do you want me to do? It's not about me and my selfish desires anymore. It's about furthering your kingdom. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, Jesus Christ hasn't come on the scene yet, right? He doesn't know God's miraculous plan of salvation for the world. It hasn't been revealed yet. It's still a mystery. But does he have that Lord part right? I think so. I think he has submitted himself under the authority of the God Most High, which is the crux of God's plan of salvation. Submit yourself under me and the plan that I have for your life and the plan of salvation and you will be saved. I think he's got that. Do you have that part? Have you submitted yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ? And if you have, there should be some strong evidence in your walk with Christ Because you're going to Him all the time for guidance. You're looking to Him to help you make decisions. You're looking to Him. Hey, Lord, what do you want me to do next with my life? How can I serve you more? Because there's nothing I can give you. I can't pay you back what you've done for me. I'm in forever in debt to you. So the most I can do, the best I can do is say, here, Lord, is my life. Use me. Is that your mindset? If that's your mindset, you are saved. Because an unbeliever can't have that mindset. You can only have that through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. One day, every knee will bow in heaven and the earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, there is a day coming where every single human being who has ever walked the earth and still to walk the earth will bend the knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? We know that, hallelujah, that's going to happen. Our Lord is going to reign, and everyone's going to know it. I look forward to that. That's going to be exciting, right? The million-dollar question is, are you going to do it willingly, or will you be forced? This event is going to happen. Are you going to willingly humble and bend your knee here on earth before it's too late and you're in hell and forced to do it? 
I don't want to be like Nebuchadnezzar. Where God has to do an extreme event in my life to humble me. I am, it's hard to say, I am grateful that as his child, he will do whatever it takes in my life to fully bring me to that point. Because he loves me. But you know what? I, I really choose to do it willingly in my life instead of have him forcefully do it like he did Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said it very clearly, right? I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify, verse 37. He is giving all thanks, all honor, all majesty to the king on high because everything he does is right. Man, that's a hard one. Nebuchadnezzar saying, Lord, you were right for the last seven years of my life while I ate grass and drooled, and sat under the sun, and slept in the field at night. You were right. Are you going through a hard time right now? Job went through it, and what did he say at the end? You were right. I was wrong. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the same thing. Because everything he does is right, and his ways are just. Those who walk in pride, he is able to Humble. If he can humble Nebuchadnezzar, do you think he can humble you? Oh, yeah, he can. And he won't have to work very hard at it either. I'd rather do it willingly and humble myself in submission to him now and do it joyfully than be forced to do it. What's your mindset like? Here, he makes his last pledge to the world. He is vowing his life to the God Most High forever. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let him who boasts Boast about this, that they have understood and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Is your boasting in this life, when you are proud of something, when you stand up and say, yes! Are you saying yes to the fact that you know him? Are you being proud of the fact that you know him? Let us boast in knowing the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Lord, God, we give you thanks for this account that happened in Scripture. Lord, it seems like a fairy tale, like a Hollywood story, but Lord, it is so true. You took the most powerful person in, in, in the world and you humbled him. And he gave his life over to you and publicly proclaimed it. That he now serves the one and only true God, the King of heaven, the most high God. 
Lord, I pray today that we too would submit ourselves willingly under your control, under your reign, under your authority. That we will look to you for guidance in all things. I pray, Lord, that we will be bold about what the Lord has done for me. May we take that list, Lord, that for hopefully for many of us is so long that we didn't even have time to write it all down, that we would be willing to share it with our loved ones and our family, but that we'd be willing to share that list with the people of the world. Because, Lord, you have done a miracle in our life. You have done a miracle in our life. How be it for us to keep it quiet? I pray, Lord, that our lives would shine brightly for you. That the whole world might know that we are yours and that you reign in us. I pray that we will be a good light for you, a bright light, one that brings glory and honor to your name for what you have done in us. We give you praise. We give you the honor. We exalt you and we glorify you for you're the only one worth it. In your son's name, we give you thanks. Amen.